Welcome back to Parsha Panorama. This week, Parsha Chayesara, here at the database with Rabbi Yeshua Eisenberg, if that's me. And for Parsha Chayesara, we have to remember where we are in the larger map of the Torah. So we started with Bereshus, obviously, from the very beginning. And we have already established that God had a, a, a goal in mind for mankind and that was that mankind would be able to achieve the ultimate good. That is the reason why Hashem created the world. And when generation, or the first group of generations, fell short, and that was the Dor Hamabel, so Hashem moved to a second set of generations, which would be the Dor HaFlaga. They failed in their own way, but Hashem wasn't going to destroy them, but He decided to isolate one person through whom the entire world can achieve blessing, and that would be Avraham Avinu. We talked about the development of Avraham Avinu, how he went from becoming, um, or he went from being Avram to becoming Avraham, and that was all done from uh, that, that was all in Parshas Lecha then, and then in Vayera we kind of had Avraham's mission qualified. We talked about two aspects of Avraham's mission. One is an Avhamon Goyim, and this is how he could be the conduit through which the world can be blessed, by being a father to a multitude of nations. But of course, in order to do that, in order to be that conduit, he also needs someone to carry out his legacy, and that would be through his son Yitzchak, and excluding all other progeny of Avraham. This is going to be very important when we get to Parshas Chayesar, but just keep that in mind. Keep in mind right now where we are, that Avraham is, on the one hand, the father of a multitude of nations, but of course, Hashem said to Avraham at the end of Parshas Vayera, Ki that Yitzchak will be your primary zera, he will be your primary progeny and offspring. So now we get to Parshas Chayesara, and it seems that the camera shifts a bit. We are now looking, we're picking up right after the apparent death of Sarah, that's not recorded in the Chumash explicitly, but what we find is that she is now passed on, and we reflect a little bit on her death, and perhaps the main, there are really two main stories in Parshas Chaye Sarah, and then after the two stories we have some housekeeping items, but we have the two main stories, Avraham finding a burial plot for Sarah and purchasing it, and then we have the, the search for a wife for Yitzchak, at the, um, at the hands of Avraham's trusty servant, whom Chazal named Eliezer. And as far as the question goes as to why we don't have the name of Eliezer in the text, you can go back and listen to Muster Minutes, where we address that. Muster Minutes, where is Eliezer's name? Um, and there are perhaps many different answers you can give to that, but that's not what we're going to focus on now. And so in, in, just, a, in just a brief minute from now, I'm going to go through the, the specific components of Parshas Chayesara, and then we're going to attack some of the questions. Because what we have to figure out is what is Chayesara really about? What does Chayesara represent on the larger map? We have mentioned that Avraham's mission is going to continue through Yitzchak. But as I mentioned, we shifted the camera a bit because now we are looking at Sarah. We are giving attention to Sarah. Now, what's fascinating is the Chumash does not tell us and, you know, for, for a parsha called Chaye Sarah, we don't hear so much about the life of Sarah. It, you know, there's that old, that already that that irony of talking about life when we are referencing a person's death, and you know that's often how we 
uh, how, how you'll hear people begin a funeral, um, that we celebrate the life of the person. We're, not, we're obviously not celebrating their death, so it makes sense. So now we're, for, for a moment, we're reflecting on the life of Sarah. And the whole first story is about Avram finding a burial plot for Sarah. So we're giving some attention to Sarah. So that, and that, that, that seems to be um, not a, a, an insignificant thing, the fact that the Chumash devotes so much time to it. What is fascinating and somewhat ironic is that we spend a lot of time talking about Sarah's age at her death and then Avraham getting a burial plot, and we have only one passing reference to the fact that Avraham gave her a eulogy. He was, um, that he came Lifkos um, and, uh, and to, to be, to be Masbid. Um, sorry, he cried for her and he, and he eulogized Sarah. And, yeah, we don't really have the contents of a eulogy. We don't have a, a, a record of the verbal tribute that Avraham pays to Sarah. There, are, there is a source out there, that, um, a midrashic source, that Sarah's eulogy was actually Eshashchayel, um, though there are many different pshatim as to whom Eshashchayel is addressed to, be it the Shechina, be it Shabbos, be it the Torah, be it um, Rus, um, and there, there is a lot of um, evidence to back up a lot of all those different explanations. But in the Torah, we don't really have a written eulogy for Sarah, but we apparently have focus on the business exchange for her burial. And again, we have her age at death, um, which is apparently 127 years. So that's kind of funny. You know, the Chumash didn't have to give attention to the, these details. The Chumash didn't have to tell us about all of these arrangements. It could, and if it wanted to give homage to Sarah, it could have, you know, given an actual eulogy, which it does not. So what we have to think about right now is why are we giving so much attention to these peripheral aspects of Sarah's death? What is the Parsha really about? Why are we giving attention to the life of Sarah when it seems to be that we are kind of like tapping it, like we're, ta- we're touching the, the, this reference to Sarah, and then we're kind of like backing off and then moving on and talking about other things, you know, um, the, the mission of the servant. So why exactly does that happen? Okay, so now let's talk about the specific components for Parashas Chaye Sarah, and then we will come back to some of these questions. So I have four sections. I can see it being three sections, um, but the, the four sections I have are as follows. And, uh, section number one. We have obviously the reference to Sarah's passing and the whole episode of Avraham purchasing a grave from Ephron Achiti um, in, um, in Hebron, the Ma'ara Samachpela, at section one. Section two, we have Yitzchak's marriage to Rivka, which obviously happens through Eliezer. Avraham gives instructions to Eliezer, he makes him swear. Eliezer goes to Haran and Aram Narayim, where he meets Rivka and her family, and we have the entire narrative. We have Eliezer's version of the narrative. The Chumash spends a lot of time on Eliezer's uh, story. And then, uh, then at the end, Eliezer brings Rivka home to Yitzchak. Then section three, we have, with the beginning of what looks like a lot of housekeeping items, Avraham's third marriage. Um, it could be a remarriage to Hagar, but the Torah calls her Keturah. Chazal say that this was Hagar. You know, maybe I'll be shot, you know, the, the, you know, the Rashbam says maybe it was someone else. But Chazal wanted us to have a, a picture of this woman as possibly being Hagar. And then we, we, uh, we, through that, we meet the Avraham's children from Keturah. And then the Chumash signs off Avraham. Avraham passes away, even though we know that, according to Chazal, Avraham does not actually pass away until Parshas told us. But very often, this is how it works in Chumash, when, we're, when a character is signing out, so we record their death. And this is the end of Avraham, at least in the Chumash. And then section four, we have the progeny of Yishmael. 
Ishmael comes back, we learn about all of his progeny, and that's about it. And then we, so we have a record of lineage. That also, we, you know, we find um, sometimes when, when, when the Chumash is largely finished talking about all the different characters, so you'll find records of their death, and we'll find some records of lineage. So once again, we have number one, the um, Sarah's passing, which um, includes Avram purchasing a burial plot for her. Then two, we have Yitzchak's marriage to Rivka, everything that that story entails with Eliezer and his mission. Uh, three, we have Avraham's third marriage, um, a possible remarriage to Hagar, but the marriage to Keturah, all of those children. And then we have the progeny of Ishmael, and that is, that is it for Chai Sarah. So those uh, four sections. Okay, so... So one question that we already referenced is, you know, why, why are we beginning with a focus on Sarah? And just for example, the Chumash doesn't um, talk about Rivka's death. Now, Chazal give reasons for that, uh, but the Chumash doesn't talk about the death of Leah either. So there, there are a lot of characters that, you know, come and go. We don't always give attention to every detail. And... Now, you might say that the Chumash didn't need to eulogize Sarah because, you know, how often does the Chumash eulogize anybody? True, but the, 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 point of, you know, the, the point of notice here is that the Chumash does go out of its way to talk about her age at death and then her burial. So if you're going to do that, um, so why, why would you go out of your way to specify, you know, the, these particular stories? And you could say, like some of the Mepharshim say, that it's important to see the possession of Hebron that um, you know that we have this Kenyan um, in the Torah, in the in you know in the in the black black and white, uh, you know, black on white, so that that might be a, a reason for it. You could say that there is a certain aspect of of Avram Avinu that the Chumash wants you to see this other test of Avram. Maybe part of the Akedah was this follow-up that his wife was going to die soon after. But again, the Chumash decided to give us a parsha called Chaye Sarah. Chumash didn't have to do that. Um, uh, when I, we should never ever take the name of a parsha for granted. The Chumash opens up a parsha, tells us this is this is the these are the years of the life of, of Sarah. Then that means the Chumash wanted us to give attention to that. Meaning, it could have just signed off Sarah in a completely unceremonious way, or not even in any way at all. It gave attention to these details. On the one hand, we have Avram buying this this burial plot for Sarah, and then on the other hand. We have, um, you know, the, the, we have the, um, the other the major story of Avra, of, the, of the Eliezer finding a wife for Yitzchak. Now, why is that significant? So we'll come back to that. I'll just throw out the other question. Chazal wanted us to know that um, that Keturah was Hagar. The Torah wanted us to know that Avram had this third marriage. Why should we care about this third marriage? Why is that significant? The Chumash, again, does not have to tell us about every single story that happens. Maybe the Chumash wanted us to know that there's other nations that came from Abraham, possibly. But we, we, we don't really need to know the genesis of every single, every single people that came to be in every single nation. So the Chumash does not have to go out of its way to tell us all this. And then, you know, Chazal throwing a monkey wrench into all this, saying that Keturah was Hagar. And not only that, but they say that the Shadchan was Yitzchak. They say that, that Yitzchak actually went to fetch Hagar and bring her back to Avraham, which makes it all the more strange, especially considering all that Hagar and Sarah had been through together. You would think that this is the ultimate insult to Sarah. So why do we hear about this marriage? And what do we learn from the possibility that this woman could have actually been Hagar? Why is Yitzchak initiating such a marriage? Why is Avraham going through with such a marriage? 
Um, you know, it's, it's one thing if Avraham thought that he needed to get married again. Well, you know, the Torah says, Lotov heos adam levado, a person shouldn't be alone. Understood. But why Dafka, this woman? Again, considering everything that had happened. So, we'll have to come back to that. But uh, let's first focus on the larger stories here and the seeming lack of story. We don't hear about Sarah's life, but we hear about a lot of things that happened after her death. And again, the Chumash does not record a, a, um, a eulogy for her. The other thing that I would mention is that since this whole parsha is put under the umbrella of Chaye Sarah, the life of Sarah, we have to wonder why everything that's included in this parsha is in this parsha. Right, so we, we, we view, we, we, we like to say that the whole of a parsha is greater than the sum of its parts. And if that's true, everything belongs under the umbrella of Chaisara. And if that's true, um, we have to try to figure out why this is important. So, in terms of the story of, of Eliezer finding Rivka for Yitzchak, so what's that doing here? Is this just the next step of, of Avraham's life? Uh, the, the journey of, of Avraham? So, why, why is this so important that we have a whole elaborate story? about the finding of a wife for Yitzchak. And the Chumash goes out of its way to record the story twice because we get Eliezer's version of the story. And there could be ample lessons that we learn from it. But on the larger map of Chayesara, what does this story represent, the finding of a wife for Yitzchak? We, we don't hear the story of how Avraham you know, met Sarah. We don't hear the story of a lot of different things. So just like we don't hear the story of of everybody's death, we don't hear the story of everybody's marriage either. This is a, a story of marriage that the Chumash apparently wanted us to know. This is apparently very important for this stage um, and for this chapter of the lives of the Avos. And if that's true, what is that significance and what is it doing here in Chaye Sara? So in just a moment we will answer, or we'll begin to answer all of these questions. And let us begin with the question about this shout-out that we're giving to Sarah at the wee beginning of the Parsha and the opening episode, which is Avraham purchasing a barrel for her. And that's about the most we get of Sarah. And again, we kind of, it's kind of like we, we do, as I mentioned earlier, we, we touch on it and then we kind of like then avoid talking about Sarah, which is very funny. Why would we do that and not record a eulogy? So in addressing that question, I think that we can describe a person's life in more than one way. Sometimes you can do things verbally like in a eulogy. And that's, that's kind of one way of showing a person about the virtue of another person, right? So you'll have at a funeral, people will come to a funeral from near and far to hear about a certain person. Maybe they knew the person, maybe they didn't, but now they're hearing an account, they're hearing other people talk about the person, and you will take the speaker's word for it that this person was a wonderful person who did X, Y, and Z. And that's what you get from a eulogy. That's one way to do it. And the other way to depict the value and virtue of a person 
if you don't have a videotape of the person, let's say, you don't have the actions of the person in front of you, but you can look at the legacy of the person based on future events that take place when that person is gone. Right, so actions definitely speak louder than words, and we spoke about the similar concept in the other Muslim minutes on Parshas Chai Sarah. Chassid speaks louder than words, if you want to go back and listen to that as well. But when you don't have the actions of the person in front of you, you have whatever they left behind as a legacy, and whatever it takes for their legacy to be carried forward. And in that way, the Chumash can tell us and pay tribute and homage to that person. And I think that is what Parshas Chai Sarah is about. And indeed, it's not about the death of Sarah, but it's about the life of Sarah, and not just her life, but the future bearing uh, um, of Avraham's family in light of Sarah, and how Sarah is going to be succeeded. Consider how the two main stories of the Parsha are the stories of Avraham finding a permanent resting place for Sarah, and then there's the story of Eliezer finding a wife for Yitzchak. What is that story all about, Eliezer finding a wife for Yitzchak? If you look really closely in the Chumash, when Eliezer finally finds that woman to take the place of Yitzchak, to, to take the, oh, sorry, the, the, to, finds the woman to be the wife for Yitzchak, the Chumash tells us that Rivka enters the tent of Sarah. When she, comes to, when she come, finally comes home to Yitzchak, she's coming to the tent of Sarah. That's a strange thing to call the tent of the, of the wife of Yitzchak. It's the tent of Sarah. Sarah was the mother of Yitzchak. And the Chumash tells us that he was finally comforted, he was comforted after the death of his mother once Rivka entered the tent. What's the Chumash clearly telling us? That Rivka did not only enter the tent of Sarah, but she figuratively entered the shoes of Sarah. Right? In, in like a Cinderella story, the glass slipper fits Rivka. But whose glass slipper is that? It's the glass slipper of Sarah Imenu. And what, in effect, is this story a story about? It's not just a story, an isolated story, about Yitzchak and her wife being found for him. But it is a story about creating the next matriarch. It's about the story of who will be able to carry on the legacy of Sarah Imenu in Sarah Imenu's absence. Till now, we've been focusing on Avraham Avinu. All the parashios up until now have led us to Avraham Avinu and then to Yitzchak Avinu. And maybe until she was gone, we didn't appreciate the fact that Avraham's mission was a two-person mission a one-family mission, but one family is made up of at least two people, maybe you can argue three, right? And that was the fact that Avraham was Avraham. But of course, you need a successor, and that was going to be Yitzchak. But you don't even have a successor until you have a partner, and that was Sarah Imenu. And now that Sarah is gone, and now that Avraham would soon be gone, the Zerah Avraham whom we've already spoken about until now, that that is Yitzchak, 
Yitzchak would not be able to continue on the legacy of Avraham without someone to continue on the legacy of Sarah. This is not just coincidental, it's not just incidental, it's not just a technicality, but this is part and parcel of the mission, that you need someone who's going to be a partner to that mission. That if, there's a, if there is a Zara Yitzhak that's going to be a conduit through which the world will be blessed, which is what Avraham's mission was, and now it was going to be Yitzhak's mission, you do not have that without someone to play the role of Sarah. And in this particular regard, a woman was needed, and it was Rivka who would fill the tent and the proverbial shoes of Sarah Emenu. That's what this Parsha is a Parsha about. This Parsha is about the life and legacy of Sarah Emenu, the partner in the, the mission. The partner in the mission of monotheism, the partner in the mission of spreading God's name to the world, and that is something that is so much greater than anything a eulogy can, can portray. Sarah Imenu was an amazing woman, and we could, have, we could have left it at that. We could, we could say a bunch of great things about Sarah Imenu, how she guided Avraham when Avraham was in doubt about certain circumstances, or when, even when Avraham was sure that something should be a certain way, and Hashem said, no, listen to Sarah Imenu, she knows what she's talking about. We could have had a eulogy like that, but instead the Chumash says, these were the 127 years that Sarah Imenu lived, and look how far, look how much of an impact she made, look what has to happen even in her death, in her passing, to fill her shoes. Look what Eliezer has to go through to find the perfect balas chesed to enter the tent of Sarah Imenu to complete that mission, to complete what, what still needs to be completed so that we can have a nation to, to be the conduit through which the entire world can receive blessing. Look at Avraham Avinu. Look at how far Avraham Avinu goes when he's being offered a burial plot for free. For free, he says, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to buy it for everything that it's worth. You know, when you do a mitzvah, when you buy a dalad minim, so you can try to, you know, you can try to get what you can, um, whatever you can gather, right? You can get it for a cheap price. Or you could say, no, hider mitzvah. If it's something that I value, I want it for what it's worth. I want to spend good money on it because this is something that's important to me. Avraham can tell you how much he loves and appreciates Sarah, or he can show us through his actions and without, again, with, without even saying it outright, we just see how, much, how important it is to him. And not only is he buying a burial plot for Sarah, mind you, but he's buying a burial plot for the entire family forever. Because through that burial plot, what he's ultimately doing is he's creating the home for all of the Avos. He's or the, the final resting place in this world for all of the Avos. That's something that keeps the family together beyond life in this world. When we talk about a Levaya, a Levaya, you escort someone out. Right? You escort, in the, in the case of an actual Levaya, you're escorting the dead. But you're not just sending them off. When you, again, Levaya or Levia is to walk with them. You escort. And when you escort, you create a bond that, that lasts forever. It doesn't end when the person leaves this world, but that's the portal back into this world. And that's what we find 
through the Kenyan and the, 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 the buying of the Ma'aris HaMachpela on the one hand, and the marriage between Yitzchak and Rivka on the other hand. Through both stories, we actually escort Sarah Imenu out of this world, and we allow her the portal back into this world through the life of Rivka Imenu, through the union of, of Yitzchak and Rivka. And with that, we can appreciate the end of the Parsha. We just have a little bit of more heavy, heavy lifting to do. And once we do, it'll all come together. We're wondering why the Chumash needs to tell us that Avraham got married again. Why Chazal want us to know that this woman was Hagar. And why Chazal want us to know that Yitzchak was the Shadchan of all people. And then, of course, the Chumash then records the lineage of Yishmael. And then that closes out Parshas Chayesara. But why? Why is that all necessary? Why is that all significant? Why should we care about any of this? So, going back to the question as to whether or not this was an insult to Sarah Imenu. Right now we're talking about paying tribute, paying homage to Sarah Imenu, and here's Avraham remarrying Hagar, the woman who disrespected Sarah, the, the, the woman whose son was a Russia. So, what's going on here? So there is one interesting detail that Chazal tells, which is important, that why was she called Keturah? Because certain actions were pleasant, like a Keturah, or she bound herself up by not marrying anyone after she had been ejected from the home of Avraham Avinu. So she had done Teshuvah, great. But still, wouldn't we call it an insult? You know, even, even if she had done Teshuvah, wouldn't we still call it an insult to Sarah Imenu? Well, let's talk about it. The Ramban does not spare um, he, he does not spare Sarah Imenu in the sense of saying that she didn't do anything wrong when, um, when he describes Sarah's actions against Hagar in Parshas Lechacha as a chait gadol that, that, that she did the wrong thing by oppressing Hagar all of that said we have to discuss if, if Sarah did do a sin, where was that sin coming from? Was it just petty? Was it the fact that, was there maybe an ounce of jealousy? Is that what we're looking at when we're looking at Sarah Imenu and her, her relationship with, with Hagar? She has very harsh words for Avraham back in Parshas Lechacha. So what are we looking at? What are we looking at when we see Sarah Imenu kicking Ishmael out of the house in last week's Parsha, Parshas Vayera? Are we looking at someone who just doesn't like a little bit of competition? Is that what we're looking at? And I believe the answer to all these questions is no. We're looking at someone who was very much concerned about the mission of Avraham Avinu, the Abrahamic mission of spreading monotheism to the world, spreading good midos, spreading gemilas chasadim, spreading virtuous things. And when Sarah said, maybe I will be built up through, my, through Hagar's union with Avraham, that was what her hope was, but when she saw a woman who had disrespect for her, a woman of arrogance, a woman who looked at her lightly, she realized this wasn't going to be the one. This could not be the woman who was going to help in this mission. And this brings us to the Teshuvah process. In 
Sarah Imanu's lifetime, she saw a woman who was boastful, she saw a woman who was arrogant, and someone who did not have basic respect for her, for her mistress, which was Sarah Imenu. And when she looked at Yishmael, again, in the lifetime of Sarah Imenu, Yishmael was a person who was also mitzacheg, just like, just like his mother. Someone who did not have respect, someone who maybe did a bunch of terrible averos, and someone who did not have respect for Yitzchak. And Sarah Imenu said, this child will not inherit with my son. And what does Hashem say to Avraham? She is absolutely right. Get them out of the house. This was not this was not Sarah being angry. If it was Sarah being angry and jealous, guess what? We would not see necessarily that Hashem would be agreeing with her. Apparently, Sarah Imenu was one hundred percent right. These, these children would not inherit with, uh, or, or Yishmael would not inherit with, with Yitzchak. But all of that was true when, in fact, they were being Rishayim. I mean, it, it, would, it would still be true afterwards. But the idea that, that Yitzchak's role as the main heir, the main Zerah Avraham, that had to be solidified. And in fact, in last week's Parsha, we said this already, Hashem said, Ki Yitzchak ikara zera. Yitzchak will be the one that's called your Zerah. No one else. Now, fast forward to a point in time where Sarah Imenu is no longer around, where Yitzchak is a big boy now, he's an adult, and it's firmly established that Yitzchak is going to be the heir to Avraham's throne, to Avraham's mission. And what do we find? A woman called Keturah, who has done teshuva, who has apparently recognized that she had lost something amazing, who apparently recognized that she had some growing up to do. And then we find a Yishmael who had done Teshuvah. Yitzchak sees this and says, this is a woman that my mother would be happy with. This is a woman that my mother would not be insulted by. If it was just about personal animus and petty envy, you're right, maybe Sarah would never be able to get over this. But if Sarah were to see this woman now and know that Yitzchak is already solidly firmed um, and confirmed as Avraham Zerah, if Sarah knew that, she would have no problem with me living near Yishmael. She would have no problem with me and Yishmael burying Avraham together, which is exactly what the Chomish tells us happens in this week's Parsha. And she would have no problem with Avraham even marrying Keturah all over again. And what do we find after Avraham marries Keturah? He has more children, and what does he do? He sends them away. He sends them away, and he gives everything he has to Yitzchak. He gives some presents to his other children, but none of them are the Zerah Avraham. There's only one Zerah Avraham. What we find in this dichotomy between Yishmael and B'nai Keturah on the one hand and Yitzchak on the other hand is the difference between Avraham being an Avhamon Goyim and Avraham being the bearer of the Zerah Avraham, that, that is Yitzchak. And Sarah Imenu was the one, well, in, in all of this, what was Sarah Imenu's role? Sarah Imenu's role was to help Avraham take care of the Zerah Avraham, to take care of Yitzchak. That was Sarah's priority. And once that was met, everything is going to be okay. 
once it was affirmed that Yitzchak would be the Zara Avraham, guess what? There could be a Yishmael, there could be B'nai Keturah, that's fine. As long as they're over there, they can get blessings through being involved with the Zara Avraham, the conduit through which the world can re- receive blessing, through the Avraham O'Nagoyim. But that only happens if there is, on a higher plateau, a Zara Avraham, through, uh, through whom the world can be blessed, but that one's going to be the role model for everyone. He's going to be the servant of Hashem for everyone. But that, that, that dichotomy has to be there. And we see in this Parsha that Avraham acknowledged that dichotomy. Avraham said, Sarah Imenu's legacy lives on through my son Yitzchak. And Yitzchak is going to be separate. And there has to be a very specific woman named Rifko who's going to carry on that mission. And everyone else, they are my children too, because I'm the Avhamon Goyim. But Sarah Imenu is going to be the one who's going to take care of the Zerah Avraham, that is Yitzchak. And that is the legacy of Sarah Imenu. That is the final tribute to Sarah Imenu. And that takes us through Parshas Chaye Sarah. We will see the next chapter next week. But that takes us through Chaye Sarah. Tune in next time to Parsha Panorama with Parshas Toldos, where we learn more about the special mission.